progressive perspectives on international development and finance issues. In this episode, we look at the proposal for a financial transactions tax, or FTT. It's an idea that would fundamentally change the financing of international development projects and could mean radical changes to the functioning of global financial markets. So what is an FTT? It is a tax on all financial transactions. That include things like stocks, commodity trading, currency trading, derivatives, all the different forms of financial instruments that get traded around the globe. It would be a very small percentage, 0.05% is what is being suggested. So it would be almost unnoticeable and would not really adversely affect financing for trade, for example, because it's such a small amount. But it would be noticed by speculators and short-term traders who aim to make money on the very small fluctuations in value of these different instruments over you know, a period of days. This tax would discourage, to some extent, that kind of trading. It could raise a significant amount of money. We're talking about several hundred billion dollars. The exact amount is a bit debatable because it depends on exactly what rate is set whether it covers all transactions in all countries or just in Europe or so on. But it would still raise a large amount of money that could be used to finance investment in Millennium Development Goals, achieving them and reducing global poverty, as well as financing for climate change, adaptation and mitigation, helping poor countries cope with the impact of climate change. That was Dennis Howlett the national coordinator of Canada's Make Poverty History campaign. In this episode, we will hear from a number of experts who will tell us why the FTT is an idea whose time has come. We begin with a look at the state of the global economy today, and speculative trading in particular. This kind of trading is often cited as one of the causes of the 2008 global financial crisis. In the wake of the crisis, governments were forced to bail out the failing banks and pump out billions of dollars in stimulus spending to save their economies. Here is Rodney Schmidt, an economist at the North-South Institute. His work focuses on international development, governance, and financial markets. Most trading, if you take a comprehensive point of view, most trading is short-term. I think the figure is about 80% of all trading is short-term, and 60% is called high-frequency trading, which means extremely short-term, like a turnaround time of minutes or seconds. Speculative trading is uh, trading with the intent to uh, guess which way the market is moving and to make a profit thereby. And um, to do that, you have to have somebody to trade with, of course, which means your guess has to be better than your partner's guess. Speculation can cause prices to rise above an asset's real value. This leads to the creation of economic bubbles, such as housing bubbles. When a bubble bursts, A period of speculative selling causes prices to drop steeply, and a market can crash. There is a presumption that financial markets are too big, and uh, there's a culture of risk. They are uh, pursuing speed and complexity and innovation in financial instruments without really understanding what they're doing and without being in control of the implications for risk. 
The current financial system favors traders, feeding revenue to them rather than to the governments and programs that need it. This has led to a gap in global public goods, measures to fight poverty and climate change. Peter Backvis is the Washington representative of the International Trade Union Confederation. As a labor advocate, he is also a proponent of the FTT. The global public resources gap, I think there are two major elements to that, one of them being the uh, commitments to fund climate change adaptation and mitigation programs that uh, many wealthy countries have committed to. And the second one is for official development assistance. Most countries have made commitments to increase it, in some cases to attain uh, 0.7% of GDP that the UN has recommended for decades. But what we're seeing right now is, in fact, many countries cutting back their commitments. So we've estimated these commitments at over $300 billion on the part of wealthy countries. And uh, financial transactions tax could quite easily raise uh, most of that revenue. Mark Fried is the policy coordinator at Oxfam Canada, an NGO that works on issues of social development and human rights. Oxfam is a strong advocate for an FTT. We need to find more sustainable ways of raising money. The financial transaction tax could be more sustainable in that it would not be dependent only on the goodwill of a particular government to raise it. It could be an agreement among all countries, all that is, major trading countries, where these trades take place, uh, that they will capture this tax and it will go towards development and climate change. And part of it may go to domestic reasons as well, but a portion of it could go sustainably to fighting climate change and fighting poverty. The major trading countries are the United States, England and Germany. Those are where most of the trades take place, New York, London and Frankfurt. But the FTT has been the target of much criticism. For example, some say this tax would only be effective if it was implemented universally. Sarah Anderson is the Global Economy Project Director at the Institute of Policy Studies in Washington, D.C. She refutes this claim. The IMF has said that for this tax to be effective, you would really only need the top five or six financial centers in the world, the U.S., the EU, Japan, Singapore, there might be a couple others. We also argue that it could be done unilaterally. And one reason we argue that is because the UK already has a tax on securities trades. Their financial market did not crumble as a result of this when they put it in place quite a number of years ago. And so it really would be possible for countries to go ahead and do it unilaterally. Critics have also argued that an FTT would distort markets. On the issue of would this reduce trading activity, we completely admit that it would. And so the revenue estimates that are out there are all assuming quite a significant drop in trading volume. We don't think this is a bad thing. We have seen the explosion of financial trading activity over the past decade or so, and we don't think that it really improved the real lives of people around the world. We think it made a lot of people very wealthy on paper, but they weren't really creating new value. 
the financial sector was not increasing their ability to meet the real needs of people and the planet. And so it would be a positive thing, in my view, for Wall Street to shrink back to a size where it's actually serving the rest of the economy instead of dominating the rest of the economy. The idea of a tax to tame volatile markets is one with origins dating back several decades. The idea originated from John Keynes for a general financial transactions tax on trading in equities. And that was back in the 30s, and he suggested the idea because even way back then, he thought that trading in financial markets was more and more dislocated or separate from trading in real goods and services. And he thought that was not a good thing because it led to too much speculation which increased the volatility of financial markets, made them too large compared to the real economy, and increased the potential for crises. Now that was way back in the 1930s, and financial trading in those days was slow compared to the way it is now these days. So that argument is much, much more persuasive now. Most recently, the British charity War on Want began advocating for an FTT in 2001. And this campaign developed into the international Robin Hood tax campaign. Celebrities have rallied behind the cause. Notable economists like Jeffrey Sachs and Joseph Stiglitz have voiced their support, as has Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates. So have actors, including Bill Nighy. He plays a miserly financier in this Robin Hood tax campaign video titled The Banker. So the bankers would give how much from each deal they do? Um, 25%? Well, no, not that much. 10%? No. 5%? No, not 5 More or less? Slightly less. What, 1%? Not quite. Half of 1%? No. A tenth of a percent? No. Many nation-states are also in favor of the tax. Here is Dennis Howlett. The citizens' campaign has been strongest in Europe. That's where this has really started. But there have been a lot of groups now coming on board in countries like South Africa and India and some of the emerging kind of G20 countries. Citizens campaigns have taken up the issue there. And I know personally, I visited South Africa early in 2010, met with the deputy in the president's office to discuss the financial transaction tax issue had meetings with South African citizen organizations and labor unions. And from a starting point where the initially the South African government was very wary or skeptical about this, worrying about how it would affect the South African banks, they have now come to the point where they have publicly issued a statement saying they support a financial transaction tax. So we can see as countries get informed about the issues, more and more countries are coming on in support. That concludes part one of our two-part podcast. In part two, we will look at the political power struggles that are hindering the implementation of a global financial transactions tax. Mm -hmm.